Savon Springer is the owner and founder of Native Assets. Any views expressed by Savon or his guests are their own thoughts and opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. Any guest appearance by representatives of Web3, NFT, crypto, or any other kind of organization does not constitute an endorsement by Native Assets or the guest's respective employer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be mistaken as financial advice. Always conduct your own due diligence and consult a qualified professional when considering any investments of any kind. Today's guest has many years of experience working in uh, all sorts of fields and, and, and different niches, but really with a, with a strong specialty on branding, marketing, and operations. And the last three years and some change, she has been leading the operations at Infinite Objects, which is one of the leading companies that is allowing people to print their NFTs. And if you're not quite sure what that means, you're about to find out. Miss Roxy <laughs> Fata, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm great. Nice to see you. Likewise, likewise. And also, as soon as I said it, I just realized I may have messed up. How do I pronounce your last name? <laughs> That's it. That is perfect. Okay. All right. People are like, is it Fata? I'm like, it's just like fat with A at the end. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Roxy Fata. All right. Excellent. So if you could, Roxy, give the folks a brief overview of Infinite Objects and what it is you do there. Yeah, so uh, Infinite Objects is kind of a groundbreaking concept. Uh, It came out of R&D work with Giphy. Uh, We consume so much digital content, but there hasn't been a real meaningful way of owning, collecting, or monetizing that content. So if you think of people who are making videos unless you have millions of subscribers on YouTube, your fans really can't appreciate it. They can look at it on their phone. They can look at it on their computer. um, But the way that technology and displays have been to date, those devices end up really commoditizing the content. So infinite objects, I have many around me, but I can show you one, a small one right here. Um, They're permanently treated displays. And so you can see that you can customize them too. So they become really sculptural design objects. Um, This guy is a art piece from Exonimo. uh, And it has this customization that covers a part of the display. Also, it's signed in the back and has all this information. It's designed completely by the artist. Um, And so there are no buttons, switches, or connectivity at all. And so this is really the first and only way that we've been able to put the value back into video and digital content. Um, So that's what we do at Infinite Objects. We launched in October of 2019. Uh, We started working with artists first. Exonimo was one of um, our launch partners and is on our team. Um, And then we also allow people to take their personal moments that they've recorded, for instance, on their phone of their families, of their pets, and print them. Um, And the third kind of phase of what we've been doing since end of 2020 is really in the NFT space and working with brands and creators to create tangible versions of NFT art. All right. Phenomenal breakdown. And uh, also, too, it threw me off. I didn't realize that was a video. So when he blinked, I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one, right? It's spooky, but also, I mean, 
I, you know, he's been a great companion in my space. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Well, uh, it gives me solace knowing that's not the only companion you have. You have many others, uh, <laughs> some that are that are less intense as that one. So a couple things that I had no idea about, one of them primarily being the, the, that it was incubated uh, or R&D from Giphy. So can you explain what Giphy is? Because most people listening will probably have interacted, seen it, heard it, but may not actually know what Giphy is. Yeah. So Giphy, every time, I mean, most times you look for a GIF on your phone or on social media for a sticker, uh, Giphy is the kind of search engine and platform for GIFs, whether they be memes or different types of of little snippets that you're looking for. Uh, A GIF is a bunch of frames um, that is animated. And so they work with a lot of digital content um, they've since been acquired by Facebook, uh, but Giphy is um, is stuff that we use every day to to send fun uh, expressions to via text or whatever to to loved ones, maybe or however you like to use them. Yeah, yeah. So the what what I think is also extraordinary is that for a long time I thought Infinite Objects was created you know, kind of in tandem or in reaction to the NFTs. But based on that information, it's like, no, 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 this this was in progress before NFTs really hit that wave. So I'm curious, pre-NFT, post-NFT, what did Infinite Objects look like? Your role has also changed uh, while you've been at Infinite Objects. So what has been different pre and post this NFT surge? Yeah, so I came on as the first full-time employee as the director of operations and strategy, grew into COO. Uh, our founder and CEO has been in the NFT space for a while, taught me a lot about, um, I think his first one was Crypto Kitties. We actually were speaking to a lot of NFT uh companies early on. Um, and this was something that we always had in mind as in terms of the synergies, blockchain, NFT assets, they're immutable. Our product is immutably flashed. Uh, the idea of creating unique collectibles, a lot of that um, was in common. And we spoke you know, very early on to the dappers and the super rares, and everyone was um, trying to figure out where things were going. We were young and Uh, The lines of communication were open because we knew it was possible, but everyone was waiting to see traction and and, uh, we got there. I mean, pre-NFT, there's so many applications. We look at our product as paper for video. So whether NFTs are around or not, there's a lot of ways to use infinite objects and a lot of meaningful ways for creators, especially. Um, But with NFTs, it's great because We are huge believers in the technology around NFTs and Web3. In the future, financial transactions, legal documents, we will be using Web3. Um, There is a lot of speculation around it, but um, we're big believers in that technology. And we love how unique it is that the technology is becoming commonplace to people and part of lingo with art leading the way. Um, The technology and decentralization of blockchain lends itself to so many different uses, but how beautiful that art, whether you feel like it 
is worthy of being called art or not and your opinions, but everybody always has opinions on art, um, has led the way. And NFTs are a lot of the, the first thing people learn about this technology. And if we can help introduce people to something a new technology that's going to be really beneficial to creators and security. Uh, we take that seriously and we're, we're very happy um, to be able to get people familiarized with that technology. Speaking to the, the synergies that exist there and how these, a lot of these conversations took place early on, kind of as we were talking about offline before we started recording, uh, one of the core purposes of this format is to make founders and people who want to work in Web3 and crypto aware of things that they should probably be aware of. So let's say somebody comes in and they either buy an NFT or they're thinking about building something related to NFTs. How, can you break down for them? And you did a little bit of this earlier, but the value proposition of getting something like an infinite object made for their NFT, and then that might segue us into a, a button, a widget that you all <laughs> are, are working on. Yes, yes. Oh my God, there's so much to say there because I think that my background is not technology. I've been, you know, working with amazing people with huge brains that help me understand <laughs> what this Web3 stuff is. And, and they've been very patient with me. And I think first and foremost, um, you know, when I have these amazing opportunities to speak to people like you or be on different panels, I really like to come with the perspective of let's take a step back. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many ways we can get into the technical minutia. We don't, I don't know how the internet works, but I've been using it <laughs> yeah. to dial up. And I think sometimes we forget that with Web3, so many people get very technical and I think it ostracizes people and it doesn't make the space inclusive. So I think first and foremost, if you're interested at, at all, please do not be intimidated. Please ask questions. There are no stupid questions. It's confusing. And if anyone pretends they understand everything, they are lying. Uh, do not be intimidated. So I think the first step is just to come in knowing that it's quite confusing and it's going to take some time, but you've got it. And then I think with you know infinite objects and how we help bridge the gap, um, there is always a learning period when new things come out. There's a lot of opinions about should it exist, should it not. Uh, very early on in 2020, when everyone was at home and, and everything started to explode, we were really at the forefront of that. We worked with people who very much understood that he had a fan base and they didn't understand maybe what an NFT was, but they were a fan of his work. And so when we worked together, it was a huge success and um, that really created a lot of momentum. Um, but now people are looking at these assets and art pieces that they can own and, and this technology that's new and interesting and has a lot of different ways you can play with it. And they're choosing things they like and they're supporting artists and deciding to collect visuals that they want to see more. And so if you think about things going from very transactional to where people were just buying an NFT to sell it and flip it and see how much they could make from it to now people understanding like, oh, this can be applied to a lot of different types of content. And you see brands from like Gucci to artists, you know, like from the fine arts coming into the space 
uh, people are actually being really thoughtful about what they're collecting because they love it. And if you love something that's visual, we believe you should be able to look at it all the time. And that's what you're able to do with an infinite object. And I think that um, it adds value to the art and, and the experience overall. How are you seeing companies or, or conferences use infinite object in activations because uh, were you, did you happen to be a consensus this past year in Austin? We, we had units there, but we weren't actually physically there. Okay. For sure. (laughs) I mean, you can't be everywhere. Right. Uh, So I was there. I didn't get to go to the, the, the viewing because the day I was the first day I was there trying to get into it. I didn't have the the special pass to go look. Um, But I think this is becoming more commonplace uh, for people to, to use something like this at a gallery. So part of my question is how are you seeing it used in activations? And then the second one is what, how do you kind of communicate the value prop of doing something with an infinite object, which might cost more to set up because of kind of how it's designed versus some of these locations or conferences being like, no, fuck it. Let's just get a couple of these $200 TVs and then just, just beam it to it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think they're both the, both of those questions are related because of the way we look at the product. We are not trying to compete with a television or a monitor. We believe that commoditizes the content and makes it like a screensaver. We want to create these objects and tangible artifacts. And in that way, we're different. And, and that's how we see galleries and uh, different conferences using us. A lot of times we work with uh, different award shows or, mm. or galas to create the actual awards that are given to recipients. Uh, we'll create gallery style settings where the objects are on plinths and you can walk around them. And the back also is designed and has an artistic element to it as well. Um, We went to Miami Design in Basel, Switzerland uh, with Snowfro and we created this giant cube that had 25 infant objects on each side. There were 100 total chromy squiggles. And instead of it just being like this... um, momentary thing that's on a big TV, it becomes an object and an experience. And I actually, something that I talk about all the time is that when we did our launch event in October of 2019 at the new museum, we worked with about a dozen artists. And I remember speaking to an artist and she said, this is so weird. I've never held my art before and I've never ended a night of a show when I wasn't thinking about like, I have to take down the projector and this. And so this makes it like permanent and tangible. And for a lot of different types of art now, don't get me wrong. There's so many scenarios in which like having a giant TV that you can switch out easily, that makes sense. Um, But if something is meaningful to you, like an art print that you purchase and frame or a photograph that you print out, um, then why not have it permanently? Yeah, I think that that's probably the most succinct way to really think about it. Is One, it's in the name objects. It's like, duh, save on. Uh, but then two, the permanence of it. Because same thing in line with minting something on chain is, hey, you did this. Now that is immutable. Ergo, it is permanent. And so like these objects, it's permanence as well. So this is a technical question. Okay. If somebody, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm thinking about this too for my own projects, but 
if somebody like let's say the artist comes in and, and they they've meant uh, a piece with an infinite object, is there something going on in y'all's system on the back end that says, hey, this NFT was minted, so no other infinite objects can be created with this specific NFT? And so how does that all work? Like, how do we keep somebody from just taking my JPEG off OpenSea, minting it, even though I own it? This is a great question. Yeah, yeah. So we did, we were brought up with artists. We exist for artists. And so a lot of the things we've done in the NFT space, we've done the long way. So after mm. we worked with people, because we allow people to upload their own videos on our website, we saw tons of people coming on and uploading artwork. And we had to be like, all right, I mean, these are a lot of orders, but this is not who we are. And we're going to cancel all of them. And how are we going to figure Ooh. out? Yeah. How are we going <laughs> to be true to who we are and put the power in the hands of the creators? And so we created an artist registry. And if with your creator wallet, you can provide us permission to print your work that your collectors have. And in that is a smart contract. And in signing the contract, you as the creator get to decide not only the price point, but if we offer one per collector or multiples. Mm. So you get to decide how that IP is figured out and how many are made. In addition to that, each IONFT print comes with a QR code on the back that when you scan it leads to the asset on chain. So you can see all of the metadata related to it. And we're also tracking the physicals. And this is part of a bigger picture so that we can eventually track the physicals on chain as well <laughs> so that there is as much visibility and ownership around that as possible. I, 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 okay, okay. <laughs> all right. So that's really great to know. And to your point, I imagine that was a very difficult decision to make. Like, shit, do we get like a sporadic investment like round off of these orders? Or do we say no? Because you can't, it's hard to unwind it at, at that point. So I think it's one great to know for anybody listening and myself included that there is that route of like, hey, just because, you know, you're printing this in, in this physical form factor, it's like there is still choice over that. It's not like you over-indexed on one side versus the other being like, no, you can only do one of these ever or like, no, there is no limit. There's no way to enforce that because ultimately it's it's about creating that choice, uh, providing that choice for these artists and creators. Uh, and when you mentioned being able to track the, and then there's like a separate thread we can pull back on <laughs> that has to do with um, some 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 on-chain licensing and, and making maybe inter infinite objects interoperable with some other platforms that I had a recent interview with. Now I'm like a fan, but I'm like, yo, this shit is crazy. It's a company called Remaster. But uh, anyhow... With the physical component of it, because as soon as you said that y'all do track the artwork itself on chain, it made me think about if really it's a larger conversation that involves any digital, right? So physical, digital pairing where somebody buys the NFT and then they go on to like, for instance, I have like a meta angels, right? Mm -hmm. And it's pretty dope. So let's say I wanted to go ahead and mint that. I mint it, but let's say down the road, I sell the NFT. I sold the NFT but I still have the infinite object. Correct. So uh, to the extent to which you can discuss it, 
How do y'all think about that? Is it going to be like a low jack future where it's like, hey, your infinite object is in Bed-Stuy or it's in Buckhead or it's in Marietta. Go pull up on homie and be like, hey, cuz, <laughs> you got something I need. No, no, we'll be safe. So for now, yeah, we'll, they won't be connected, but um, we really think of the object as a snapshot in time. So you'll sell the mm. NFT, for instance. When you scan the back of the object, you'll see that although you did own it at a certain point, you no longer do. And so it'll be that snapshot in time. It's never meant to replace the NFT. But also there's a huge opportunity um, in, in tracking those physicals and eventually, you know, a StockX type of marketplace or also being able to track the physicals on chain. So if people want to resell them, that there's maybe an inherent value of having the first of multiples that will be created by subsequent owners of the NFT. So there's a lot of ways to play around with it. And we've found so much in everything that we do. There's so many various opinions. Like, you know, you were saying about if you mint something, how many physicals can get made. There's great arguments for things being scarce. There's great arguments for them not being scarce and, and providing more for an audience. And every one has different goals and different needs. And we're here to create not only just the hardware, but the software that enables that, that helps you make those decisions as a creator. Um, and we're constantly getting feedback. Everything that we're building is based on the feedback that we've gotten in terms of what creators and brands are looking for. Um, and so that's a really exciting process. And there's so much to still figure out. And, and we do it in a collaborative way, which is really important to us. Mm. So speaking more from your operations standpoint and strategy, right? How have you found a balance of creating an offering uh, or in your situation, I think what's unique is that your offering applies to the, the every person, right? The individuals, but you also do a lot of work with some larger partners. And there's, there's some in the top of my mind. I mentioned one at the start, so if you can get into it, feel free. But how have you found the, the, uh, the right balance of providing a, a product, a service for both ends of the spectrum to get what they need? Yeah, honestly, it's interesting to work around a product that's like an invention. It is an easy sell <laughs> for a lot of people. I'm not a salesperson, but um, it's just so lovely to talk through people's projects and what they need and being able to cater to really like amazing, well-known artists and brands, but also work with emerging artists to create value is just really like a very exciting thing to do. Strategically, when we started out, like obviously we were trying, we have this really unique opportunity of tapping into existing audience spaces. And that's kind of like how everything with Beeple came about because um, it's such a great case of a creator working every day at making something and the most that they could do was like post it on Instagram and people would like it and comment. But he created this amazing fan base in tandem to like having a, you know, which many artists do. They are artists, but they work for agencies and huge brands. Um, and so strategically we thought, hey, we have this product that it solves and a problem and, and kind of closes the loop, right? Like 
if I loved someone's Instagram account that I was going on every day and I loved the visuals, of course I would want to buy it. Like that's what I would want to do. It wouldn't be something that would have I would have to be convinced about. Um, so we just identified all these these groups that you know had formed around these creators and said, hey, like is this, here's the solution. Let us know if it could work for you. And I think that um, strategically and, you know, after so much of just like, after we worked with certain people, we had just so many amazing brands and like huge IP holders coming to us and just saying like, you know, this is important to us. They were either curious about NFTs, but also wanted to do it in a meaningful way to their audiences. You know, usually to date, we're used to collecting things. And when we buy something, we really like receiving it in the mail and opening up and showing it off. Um, so I think that hearing the needs from both bigger partners and how we could use their success and their like the strategies that we've iterated with them on to help out emerging artists and creators. Um, it's just been a really lovely way that, you know, it, it is our day to day just because um, we've been so fortunate to have a product and services that people um, really need. And I think it is strange because like, it is a very, uh, it's all related to like, tech forward things like mm -hmm. nfts are tech forward but i really believe that the innovation around the physical product we offer is that all of there's so much restraint in it like the mm -hmm. functionalities don't exist when you pull everything away and you strip it down it's actually like wildly revolutionary even though it's just very simple so can we talk more about that? Because same thing, when I first went on the website, and this was like Q3 last year, uh, because I was looking at people and doing some research, and there was another NFT project I'm a part of that I had a limited drop, um, the, the Frontier, Missing Frontier, Missing Watcher. And I was looking at the device itself, and I'm like, where are you plugging in at? You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just trying it in my head. I'm, All right, is it solar powered? Like, how do you? <laughs> so can you Quieter. talk more about that yeah. restraint that is in, inherent in it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, we, when we launched, we were like, oh, we're going to have to really teach a lot of people about this. They're going to be like, it's a digital frame, but I can't add stuff to it. And actually, we were shocked to see that, so many people were like, I've been waiting for something like this forever. Um, you do have to plug it in. And yeah, we've thought a, a lot, you know, a lot of people have been like, can I upload this or that? And it just um, takes away from what we're really trying to do. And that is primarily giving value to the content itself and bringing physicality to it and seeing it in a different way. Um, because there are a lot of products out there that you can do different things with and connect and um, through user research heard a lot of times actually like it bricked. I had to update it. I had to, my grandma got one and then she stopped using it or I just leave it on want the same photo or video all the time. Um, so yeah, we think of it as very different and it's just been really great for, and it's just so collectible. They're meant to be on tabletops. We do have like 
a limited edition that's really large, but it's something you can have multiples of. And, and, uh, um, I mean, I have a ton all around me and, uh, mm-hmm. really it's a lovely addition. This is like a super in the weeds, like Tim Ferriss degree of like <laughs> nitpick. How did y'all figure out the brightness level? Is it adjustable or is it like a certain lumens, uh, that y'all set and then it- like, boom. Yeah, it's set to one thing. We've talked about like maybe making <laughs> it so that it adjusts over the daytime. Um, but, you know, when we have an amazing team, very creative artists forward, artists on our team too, that are able to just be like, how do we need to set these colors and make them enjoyable and make sure the color quality is good and the image quality is good. And so it's a lot of playing around, but um, it's not adjustable. It's just one setting through a lot of different um, experiments and, and a lot right of yeah. Cause, Cause specifically I started thinking to myself about um, my partner. She wants us to like have, I want them too, but she, she's mentioned it more so I can get really tunnel vision and like forget to do things. But she wanted us to um, have some pictures of like us and our son uh, in like this kind of room she's setting up. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it could be cool to surprise her and get one of these. And then in my head, I'm like, well, how bright will it be when the lights are <laughs> off? And like, will it be a distraction where you look over and we're just glowing and shit? Like, or will it be, you know, I mean, more try subtle? it out in different rooms. Let's get yeah. you one. I think it's good. I mean, you must have so many pictures or videos of your son and stuff. Well, uh-huh make a long version of it. We can have twenty a twenty four hour loop really. So we can really pack oh, Wow. <laughs> Let's do that surprise. I think uh, that'll that'll be impressive. So we'll figure that out for you. Right on. All right. So um I just have a couple more questions just that are not as directly related to infinite objects, but more so just about your background, your experience and, and what I think could could be beneficial to people listening. So from one of the questions is about things that you've learned in your time marketing, branding, strategy, and operations, what have you seen or what rules, kind of tried and true practices that worked in a pre-Web3 context that you've now seen in the Web3 crypto NFT context either not translate fully or not really work? And then at the same cadence, you know, what adaptations did you have to um, take on so that you could still achieve what you wanted to? And then uh, we'll dive into the second question, which is more fashion related. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I think that web, whether it be Web3 or just over time, it's always constantly trying and failing and learning. Right now, we're not only in a time with Web3 where I, I would say this for all, a lot of communities, but you just can't fool people anymore. They want to know that like, you stand for something and you're in it and you're communicating with them. And that authenticity, I, it's like such a, it's a word that's like annoying, but it's true. <laughs> like you can't fool people. You can't fool Gen Z on TikTok. You can't you know, run ads on Twitter about NFTs. But let me tell you, we tried and got burned. (laughs) You know, making mistakes. It's about making mistakes and coming back from them and learning um, with Web3. And, you know, we're still figuring this out on our side. But like literally someone needs to live in 
Twitter. And if you are, if you dare have discord and you have, you know, you're ready, you have thick enough skin to get that going, constantly communicating with the community, getting feedback, being up to date. Like you cannot fake that. You have to be engaged and engaging. And um, that's, I mean, Web3 is all about that. You will get called out. You will have people um, who will be rude and unnecessarily so, but you'll need to know how to navigate that with as much grace as you can. Um, And I think that in terms of marketing and stuff, it is changing more than ever in a short period of time where like, For a while, you know, in the glory days, it was just like running ads on Facebook and you would know how much to put in and how much you would get out. And now there's like a million platforms and uh, privacy settings and attribution and all this stuff um, that is important to users. And I think the same thing applies. The same thing that the Web3 community is demanding is what all customers are going to, you know, and brands are going to have to figure out is how do you have authentic ways of speaking to people, showing them things that are believable? Honestly, I mean, I've said it before, but we have a product, you know, we're not selling like another, I don't know, granola bar or something where mm-hmm. we have to convince people it's better. We have this like amazing invention and it is who we are to like support artists and, and a great part of what we do. So. We're really fortunate to um, be involved in something that, you know, is not hard to sell. It's just about letting people know about it. And if it's for them, uh, whether they want art or their own moments, that this this exists and, and you can, you know, you can buy one. Um, but also just like... Uh, figuring out ways to to talk to people and and let them know and... Um, we even see, you know, like the content that our customers post resonates so much more than a beautiful, you know, we always are, mm-hmm. are amazing designers. I'm always like, you guys create this beautiful content. And a lot of times like that just doesn't hit when we post it as much as like a wild, like someone unboxing, like with their hand shaking, it's cause that's what people identify with more because that's more believable to them. And so we appreciate so much like the partners that work with us, our customers that post. Um, those are like what really resonates with people and and uh, what makes the difference. That makes a ton of sense. And I think that it's very well stated that that's an across the board thing that people are seeing is we are moving from this hyper produced, you know, scripted, sold sort of thing where people just want to experience somebody else's perspective. And the rawer that can be, often the closer it feels to real life and the more grounded. And I think that that's probably in some sort, you know, just a lot of history is, you know, something's one way and so then there's an overreaction to it. So then things rubber band the other way and then you might wind up somewhere in the middle. But because so much time is spent on screens, on the computer, online, on social media, seeing those those raw moments can make it feel more like you're in real life and not on, you know, the internet or, or like this digital universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then to bring it right back to the digital universe, you uh, went to school, at least in part, for fashion. Is this yeah. correct? Okay. So 
NFTs up to this point have really what popped off crazy was board apes running up from point something ETH to got dang on hundreds of ETH. If and only. If, if only. only. <laughs> yeah. Every time I see what like what month it was that it was that price, I was like, bullshit, can't be, because I was on OpenSea. No way. I know. <laughs> Just I was, denial. I was like, did you see those monkeys? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, nah, I'm just Max Cope. Max Cope, as they say. Um, but I just, I, I make that point that things really kicked off with the profile picture meta genre and then a bunch of kind of new flavors on profile pictures. But I think more and more what I'm noticing is that projects are wanting to get deeper into storytelling and mm. With that is this whole idea of decentralized content. So whether it be Jenkins the Valet writing a book or other projects whose purpose it is to go out and create decentralized franchises and content production studios. So in that whole realm, and especially with something like Ready Player Me raising a crazy round last week, I'm curious if you have any thoughts or perspective on where fashion and wearables fit in to where things are going with NFTs and the metaverse as someone who has a lot of context with real world fashion. Yeah, I think there's two ways of looking at it. We look at it as another mode of, you know, physical item being related to the NFT in terms of like the possibilities of tracking it and provenance on the garment itself and and what that could look like. Um, and then we also see, you know, brands in fashion, whether it's a metaverse fashion show or creating art, you know, we have everything from like a Dolce & Gabbana metaverse fashion show to a Gucci super rare collection of art. Um, I think that fashion is always so intertwined in art and it's maybe sometimes less obvious to people who are not in the space as much. And I think that this is an opportunity for fashion brands and fashion lovers to see more of how those worlds collide in an, an obvious way. And so I think that it is an obvious use case and we'll see more and more of it. And I think it will be a nice way for um, more people and, and more of the populace to kind of understand how, uh, you know, things are thought through. I think with fashion, when you're really in it, it'll be like, oh, this collection was inspired by this mm-hmm. Roman art piece. And, you know, most people are like, <laughs> yeah. oh, this is, what, what do you mean? It's nonsense. Um, but it's it would be a nice way to kind of just, um, I mean, I think all transparency and just like collaborations. And also in fashion, we're seeing what I think is a very confusing, um, I always say, is this Couture or Canal Street? Because you'll see like a, mm collaboration between like adidas and gucci and you're like is this real or did like someone just are they just selling it out of the back alley um but i think in the grand scheme of things it's for the best and as much overlap as we can have in this technology is providing i think um it's both amazing for the brands and the collaborators themselves and the and the collectors and the people that get to watch i agree there's a lot to uh, to digest, and there's a lot coming down the horizon. But always, as such, with the nature of technology, this is just another situation. It's the of beginning. That. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that brings us about to the end on time. If you could 
Uh, well, well, first off, thank you for coming on thank and making you. the time. It's so fun. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. <laughs> yeah, we both got to get to some calls. But uh, <laughs> but thank you. And if you could, let the people know where they can connect with you and then where they can connect with Infinite Objects. Yeah, um, you can connect with me, at Roxy, with a Y at infiniteobjects.com. Uh, or you can reach out to Loops, L-O-O-P-S, at infiniteobjects.com. Um, if you're an artist, a creator, NFT platform, um, we are so excited to be working with people. We ha- I know we touched on it briefly, but we're creating a lot of integrations and solutions. Um, whatever you need, we want to hear about it and, and get involved. But um, it's been such a pleasure to chat and hopefully this could be helpful to someone. Yes, I'm sure it will be. And when y'all have some more of those integrations live, you can come back on and we can get into more nitty gritty. I didn't want to talk about anything that was off the record NDA. So, <laughs> I'd love you know. that. I'd love that. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Thank you again, Roxy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Peace. Peace.